Well, welcome yet again to our midweek Bible study. We are doing the last lesson in our course, Living by Faith. Thank you for following with us if you have, and we trust that these teachings have been a blessing. The title of this particular lesson, Lesson 10, is Filling in the Gaps. All along we've been encouraging people to launch out in faith, to do great exploits in faith, and from experience I found that as we launch out in perhaps a new faith venture, we've had a victory, etc., sometimes we hit a brick wall. It's almost like no matter what we do, we can't seem to get the breakthrough that we want. And that's quite normal because there's so much to learn about faith that very often we need to be expanded. And you see, what we've got to understand is that this course is really just a foundation. There's so much more to learn, and it's ongoing process. Let's just read a scripture, 1 Thessalonians 3 verse 10. Night and day, this is Paul speaking to the church at Thessalonica, night and day praying exceedingly that we might see your face, and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Do you see that? That we might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Paul is saying here that the Thessalonians had developed their faith, were developing their faith, they were doing well, but he wanted to be there to find out exactly what was going on and if necessary, fill in that which was lacking, filling in the gaps, you see. Any system of faith, and this is the point here, is based on a series of understandings rather than just one idea. Faith is whole collection of understandings which, when put together, produce, you see. Hebrews 11 verse 6, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now you see the process. Before we can believe that he is a rewarder, we must believe that he is. You see? And just believing that he is, isn't sufficient. We need to move on to know that he rewards faith. James 2.19 You believe there is one God? You do well. The devils also believe and tremble. Point is that one truth builds on another. And if there's something missing, the whole chain is weakened. It's like a chain. As you know the saying, the chain is only as strong as the weakest link. Now you see, you and I might be fighting a fight of faith, a battle of faith. It's not working. We might have our ducks in a row in all other regards except maybe one or two. And that omission is what is undermining our faith. Let's look at a few examples. Remember the woman who have spoken about so many times with the issue of blood. Matthew 9, 20, 21. A woman which was diseased with an issue of blood twelve years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. You see, the simple belief chain was as follows. A. He has the power to heal me. But secondly, for that healing to reach me, I must first touch the hem of his garment. You see that? That was the two links in the chain of her belief. If she didn't believe that he could heal her, she wouldn't have gone through all that she went through to touch him. 
you see. And just sitting at home believing wouldn't have produced results. The two had to cooperate, you see. Now, you see, such a conviction in the heart of the sequence prompted her to take action against all odds. Let's look at another faith chain, so to speak. The Roman centurion. Matthew 8, verse 8. You see, he comes and says to the Lord, I've got a servant that's sick. Will you come and heal him? The Lord says, of course, I'll come and heal him. Now the centurion answers and says, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. You see, the simple belief chain here could be summarized as follows. This man has the power to heal my servant. The centurion knew that without doubt. But not only did he know that, he recognized that such was the authority of the Lord that all he had to do was to give a commandment and the servant will be healed. And what he believed came to pass, you see. Verse 12, the Lord said to the centurion, Go your way, as you have believed, so be it done unto you. And his servant was healed in that selfsame hour. Now you see, the point is for our faith to work, it's imperative that we ensure that all the links, so to speak, are strong. See, the Lord was well aware of this in his dealings with men. And we see that he took care to fix any missing links that he discerned before the healing could flow. Let's look at just two examples. You remember that man that was sick of the palsy and his friends were good enough to go right onto the roof, break through the roof and let him down. You see, Mark 2, chapter 4. When they could not come nigh to him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. Now listen to this. When Yeshua saw their faith, he said to the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins are forgiven thee. Now you see, that was unusual. He didn't always do that. There's no other account of him insisting that somebody be set free from their sins before he healed them. Why on this occasion? You see, the Lord realized that it was first necessary to deal with the man's sin problem. He had to be set free from his consciousness of sin. A very common problem. Many people are blocked from receiving their healing because deep down they feel they're not worthy. Let's look at the outcome of this. Once he had dealt with that, Mark 2, 10-12 But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the sick of palsy, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go your way into your house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all. A similar example is the leper, Matthew 8, verse 2. Spoken about him before. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now you see, there's a broken link in his faith chain demonstrated by those words, if you are willing. See that? In other words, I know you can heal me if you want to, but perhaps you don't want to. Can you see that? Lepers were outcasts in their day, and they carried that terrible stigma of being unworthy. So what was the master's response? Matthew 8 verse 3. And Yeshua put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will, be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. 
Now please understand that term put forth his hand. It doesn't mean that he just touched him. Actual translation of the literal Greek is that he attached himself to him with the intention of not letting go. You see, he put his arm around him, basically, and showed him that he was accepted. Once he could receive that acceptance, the healing just automatically flowed. So you see that? That chain was broken because of a link that was weak. And before he could receive his healing, that broken chain had to be restored. And so it is with us. Very often, our faith just won't work. It gets short-circuited by a weak or non-existent link. We try to believe, and yet something deep down hinders us. And before we can go forward with our faith, obviously that link has to be dealt with. There are many examples of this, but here are a few that we find so very, very common. The way to fix these breaches in our faith is to apply the word of God to our soul until the truth sets us free. You see, there are many misconceptions in the hearts of people in this day and age. The first one I'd like to mention is that very often the saving grace of God, healing, deliverance, provision, etc., God is able to do it, but we always put it in the future, not right now. Common mistake. Yes, I know God can heal me one day. Yes, I know God will provide for me one day. And you see, as long as we put it off till tomorrow, it is never going to happen. Now, what does the Bible say? 2 Corinthians 6 verse 2. He said, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. You see, today is the day of salvation. If our faith is always putting things off into the future, there's a break in our chain of belief. Another one that's very, very common is, God can save my soul, yes, but he can't heal my body. But you see, that's a misunderstanding of the word of God. We haven't got time to go into great detail, but very simply stated, Isaiah 53 verse 5 states so plainly, he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. You see, and the Lord carried out that prophecy of him. Let's say Luke 4.40. Now when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with diverse diseases brought them unto him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. Do you see that? Laid his hands on every one and healed them. Mark 16, 17 and 18, And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils, they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. There are many, many other scriptures to confirm this. But you see, we must get them into our heart. We must know that God is able and willing to make us well. The other misunderstanding is sometimes people believe that God will heal my body if and when he wants to. As if to say, sometimes he doesn't, sometimes he does. That's not true. Every case when he was approached in the New Testament, his answer was yes. 1 Peter 2.24 Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye, now the tense is changed, we were healed. Notice the tense. It's already been done. 
Another great misconception in the church? God might have healed my body, but he can't supply money, finances. God, for some reason, doesn't deal with money. Well, you see, that's not true. 1 Timothy 6 verse 17 Charge them that are rich in this world that they might not be high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. You see, all things includes money, finances, resources, the wherewithal to do well in the earth. Another good scripture, Ephesians 3.20 Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. All right? There are many other scriptures. We need to take them, change that thinking, which through the religious system very often has been lodged in our minds. God does money. Another big barrier we've found in this day and age is the fact that when people approach God the Father, they equate him with their earthly father. And if that earthly father has been a very bad example, they can't quite get over the fact that God could be completely different. There was an evangelist who was trying to have a crusade in inner city New York, and he became aware of the fact that after a while the crusade was failing. He had the presence of mind, the humility to ask the organizers and saying, something's wrong, what is it? Am I missing it? And they said to him, you know, you keep on speaking about God the Father and how wonderful God the Father is. You must understand that perhaps 99.99% of the people that are listening to you, their concept of Father is an alcoholic that's absent. And if he is in the house, it's only to take the mother's money to beat her up and possibly to rape the daughter. So you see, when you speak about Father, it actually, in their mind, triggers these thoughts. Now, you see, we have to realize that God is a God of love. And if our experience of fatherhood has been abysmal, we need to realize that God is different. And only the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, and, can I say, godly examples in the body of Christ, can help us change that. But we have to change it. We have to change it if we want to believe God to take care of us and be the Father that He is. 1 John 4 verse 16 And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Very important to know God the Father. The next area that is a difficult one for most, many, we think that before God can do anything for us, we have to be perfect. Almost like a buy-sell arrangement. If I'm good enough, God can heal me. Well, you see, if you have that mentality, if we have that mentality, there's never going to be any healing. Because the truth of the matter is, without Him, it's impossible to be perfect. Isaiah 64 verse 6 but we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. You see? Now, if we're trying to, by righteous deeds, earn God's provision or God's healing, 
We're wasting our time. It will never happen. Why? We've got to understand something. Romans 8 verse 1. There is now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Yeshua, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. You see, we need to develop our faith in God's grace. You can't earn it. You can only receive it. Very important to have that in our minds. Now, another big danger is, you know, when people can only believe God's word in as far as our minds can understand it. We limit God to what our minds can understand. If the doctor has said that there's no cure, our mind says there is no cure, we exclude God from being able to heal us. Well, you see, Isaiah 55 verse 9, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You see? 1 Corinthians 1 verse 25, Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. You see? Our minds are limited. And if we put God in a box of our minds, we limit him. Our faith won't be able to work. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to expand our thinking. We can't put ourselves in a position where we can't see a logical way out, so that excludes God from operating. Quite the opposite. When there seems to be no logical way out, that is when God is able to manifest, you see, in a way that we would never have thought of. The natural man, 1 Corinthians 2.14, receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. As we've mentioned earlier, faith isn't based on logical understanding, far from it. Our minds can very often be the weak link in the chain. Amen. The other big area which sometimes hinders us is this whole idea that God always does things in the same way. We might have had a healing experience in the past and God did it in a certain way. Maybe he used an evangelist or maybe the pastor prayed or maybe something else happened. And we might be facing another healing faith exercise. The big danger is to think, oh, well, God can only do it the way he did it the last time. That's a big mistake. If you look at the life of Christ, he operated differently on so many, many occasions. And we need to allow him to do it his way. We look at the one case in John 9, 6 and 7. He's dealing with a blind man. After he's spoken, he spits on the ground, made clay with his spit, and anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay, and said to him, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. Alright? Meaning sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. But the Lord didn't deal with every blind person the same way. Matthew 9, 28 and 30. He comes into a house, the blind men came to him, and the Lord said to them, Believe that I can do this. They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were opened. You see, in this case, no spit, no mud, no pool of Siloam, just the word and the touch. So, waiting for God to perform something the same way that he has in the past can so easily sabotage our faith. Another misconception is this, that you never know what God's going to do. He moves in mysterious ways. 
Well, you see, that's not true. God tells us very plainly what he's going to do, what he can do, what he wants to do. We need to know what he wants to do so we can believe it, as we've spoken of before. Psalm 103 verse 7. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. You see, Moses had that close connection, and the Lord could make known to him exactly what he was going to do. John 16.13 Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. You see, the Lord can show us things to come. We don't have to wander around in the dark waiting for something to happen. 1 Corinthians 2.16 For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. You see that? We have the mind of Christ. Another very common misconception is that we believe that God does things for only a certain class of people. We hear testimonies and we think, well, that's certain people, but not me. You see, maybe God only helps people that are in the ministry. Bible only applies to them, whoever they are. Well, you see, that's also completely misleading. God is no respecter of persons. 1 Peter 2.9 We, you, all of us, children of God, are a chosen generation a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that we should show forth the praise of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Can you see that? The promises apply across the board to all. There are no class distinctions with God. Another thing that very often plagues our faith is this deep-rooted misunderstanding that God is a zillion miles away, so he can't hear or help me. Now, yes, God is in heaven, which we don't know how many zillions of miles away, but through the Holy Spirit, he's actually right here. I'd just like to read a few scriptures just to prove this point. Psalm 139, 2-4 You know my downsitting and my uprising, you understand my thought afar off. You compassed me my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, you know it all together. You know it all together. Every word you and I speak, he hears it immediately. That's how close he is. 1 John five fourteen and 15 This is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He hears us. A zillion miles away or not, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Romans 10, 6-8 But the righteousness which is of faith speaks on this wise. Say not in your heart, who shall ascend into heaven? that is, to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep, that is, to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is, the word of faith, which we speak. You see, 
if in your and my subconsciousness God is far away, not available, we need to meditate on these scriptures and realize just how close he actually is. And you see, if that link in our faith chain is weak, by making it strong, it goes a long way to seeing the results of our believing. The whole point in this exercise, there are other weak links in the chain. Everyone's different. But the point is, if your and my faith is not working for us, it's so important to realize, perhaps it's not going forward, let me just spend time with God just to find out where the missing link is. And it's amazing how if you and I avail ourselves of that, and many great men of God, great men of faith, often have to do this, go through this process. You see, there's something new that they have to deal with. One great man of God, great man of faith, contracted problems with his leg, spoke to the Lord about it, and the Lord said to him on this occasion, you're spending so much time getting revelation for other people. You need to stop for a while and get revelation for yourself. Can you see that? He'd gone off track slightly. That was becoming a weak link in his faith. And God wanted him to address that. So you see, that's how it works. But can I just say also, in closing now, there comes a time where you've done everything you can. We've done all that we can. We're doing all that we know to do. And it's just a case of waiting it out, waiting for God to perform the great miracle. Ephesians 6 verse 13 is the classic scripture in this regard. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Very, very often, all God asks us to do is keeping the word in our minds and in our hearts, our eyes fixed on him, having done all, so to speak, just to stand. To stand and wait for God's deliverance. Well, I trust that you've been blessed by this lesson, and not just the lesson, the whole teaching. Please remember, it's merely a foundation. There's so much more to be learnt by all of us. Growing in faith is a lifelong endeavour. And I'm trusting God that you and I will rise to the occasion. Just to close off, I'd like to share with you a poem which God gave me, which actually reflects many, many of the principles that we've been discussing. And this poem is entitled, My Spirit is a Fertile Field. Remember, faith is a substance of the heart, of the spirit. With that in mind, I trust you'll be blessed as I read this poem. My spirit is a fertile field, well watered by the river of life. Its rich soil is pregnant with bursting seed, his truth without malice or guile. My task is to dutifully tend it, every day with devotion and care, to plant, to feed and protect it from weeds and the fowl of the air. It produces a glorious harvest, 
overcoming faith for mile upon mile, which grows in abundant profusion night and day beneath the warmth of his smile. Its bounds are always increasing, ever upwards and outwards on all sides, and it pleases the Lord of the harvest as towards it through the heavens. He writes. Heavenly Father, bless us all as we attempt and we succeed in developing our faith. May we be pleasing to you as your children, people of great faith, that your kingdom, above all, might be extended. Amen.